0: Now, we've been going through a series, 22 Days of Prayer. Is anybody getting the prayer prompts? Those have been so good. I've been so encouraged to pray as I get those texts in the morning. Just a simple reminder to pray. But our hope is not that it stops at 22 days. It's that we build and cultivate a life of prayer. And uh, we get to hear from Don Doe in just a moment, and he models that. He models that life of prayer, and he, he motivates me to become uh, a pastor of prayer. He mo- motivates our community b- to become a community of prayer. And it reminds me, in some ways, of somebody that we're celebrating tomorrow, Martin Luther King Jr., who was a man of prayer. He was a man of prayer. He actually has this quote here. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to, to be alive without breathing. Ah, we need to be people of prayer. If you ask Martin Luther King Jr. how he accomplished the things that he did, the things that we're remembering and celebrating tomorrow and this week, he would say it was because of prayer. And so we're going to continue to talk about that this morning. Don, thank you so much for being here, brother.
1: How about that? Yeah, much better. Uh, maybe. you'll Halfway through, you'll say, turn that thing off. Would you? <laughs> Go home. Great to see you today. Uh, it's always a joy to be able to share a little bit with you. And, and this series on prayer has been so meaningful and so helpful in 22 days of, of trying to get us all in the habit of, of praying. And um, in this process, the question that I ask myself is, what motivates me? to pray? What just, like, gets me fired up to pray? I can answer it in one phrase. Answered prayer. When prayers are answered, I mean, it's it's like, it doesn't get any better. I mean, somebody's praying for direction, and God gives direction, or there's anxiety, and there's just a, a peace that comes that's beyond even explanation, or you're lifting somebody up that's maybe been kind of straying away and they come back into the fold or there's a a health issue that gets resolved. I I mean, it's just like, I want to pray more and more and more. And I, I, I use that little list because I've heard some of those stories from, from some of you actually in these last, are we two thirds of the way through these 22 days? I've heard some of that. That's happening right here. The flip side of that is what demotivates you? What demotivates demotivates me to pray? Two words. Unanswered prayer. Unanswered prayer. When God's just silent. And maybe some of you are there. Maybe you've, you've tried this thing out and it's like, I feel like my prayers are just bouncing off. It's not yes, it's not no, it's not maybe, it's just silent. Nothing demotivates us more when God just seems to be silent. It's like, are you giving me the silent treatment, God? What it, what's the deal here? I mean, you know what the silent treatment is, don't you? It's when you're mad at somebody and you decide I'm just not going to talk to them anymore. Now, if you're mad at me, I'm happy when that happens. <laughs> don't don't talk to me. I don't want to I don't want to hear about it. Just but often uh, a woman will use that as in her, you know, her toolbox with her husband. I'm going, to just give you the silent treatment. And uh, the problem with most of us husbands is it takes about three or four days for us to ever figure out that that's even, <laughs> even happening. And, and most of us are going, hey, it's pretty good. Things are going good. Everything's quiet. And you know, so in general, it's overgeneralization. but men usually are a little more comfortable with silence than than women are you put two women in a car for an hour driving somewhere and if they don't say one word to one another that's called a problem there's a problem there you put two guys in a car silence for an hour or two we call that friendship that's a bonding time so ladies if, you, if you're using that in, in your in your repertoire, you might want us to rethink that silent treatment and guys if if you're you know if you 're getting the silent treatment from your wife you you might ask the question what what's she trying to say to me and you 're going well she 's not saying anything, and I just want to say no she 's saying something, especially when she 's giving you the silent treatment she 's giving you a message of some kind she 's talking to you. Even in silence, if you can take that same idea and put it to God, God is always talking to us. He's always speaking. He always has a message for us, even when there's no words, even when you're not really sure where He's at. He's about His business. He's about His kingdom. He's about His purposes. He's about He's about working and fashioning you in life. So the question is, and God, what? It, What are you trying to say to me? Even in silence, what is it you're trying to get across? I I know I don't lightly go into this area because I, I know it's heartbreaking when you when you just feel the silence of God, and and it feels lonely. and And not only does it question your prayer life, sometimes it can just erode your your life of faith altogether. But if you can kind of look at it just a little bit differently today, when God is silent, what is He saying? First thing is, when the silence of God comes into your life, sometimes he's saying, sit down. Be still. We need stillness. It's hard to, uh, it's hard to listen carefully to somebody when you're, when you're always busy, when you're doing, 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 doing. It's true in a It's true in parenting. It's true with God. Sometimes he just wants to look at us and say, you are so wound up and bound up going and doing all these things and trying to accomplish all these things. And even in your prayer life, you're just checking stuff out and checking stuff out and you're going and you've you just blah, 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 let it all out and on your way and you think, and, and would you just, just be still? you just be silent for a little bit? Sit down and rest. Psalm 46.10 says, be still And know that I'm God. There's a connection in there. Be still and know. Some of the knowledge of God, some of the relationship of God, you really will never tap into until you learn to just breathe. Be still. God shows us what that's all about with with, um, taking a Sabbath. When he creates the world in six. Six days, and the seventh day he rested, I need to rest. He's just trying to tell us, no matter how well you are at achieving, somewhere along the line, just step back and take a Sabbath. Take a Sabbath in the daytime, take a Sabbath at the end of the month, at the end of the years, whatever. Take, pause, be still. It's not easy to hear when you're always moving and moving and moving. In the Old Testament, there's a book written by a guy named Job. It's spelled like job, but it's Job. The whole book, let me just give you the Reader's Digest version. Things go bad for Job. He loses everything. Loses his house. He loses his flocks. He loses his sheep, his cattle, all his resources. He even loses his children. He loses his health. The, the Bible describes him sitting in the corner with a, a broken piece of pottery just scraping the scabs that he has on his body. I mean, he's in bad shape. And he has friends that come to encourage him. But instead of encouraging him, they interrogate him. Job, what in the world have you done to cause God to treat you like this? You must have really messed up. And Job's going, I don't don't know. I don't know what I, I... You've got something. Job, it's one of those little secret sins, isn't it? Come on. Let it out. Tell God, tell us so we can tell the rest of the community, but tell us, uh, and, and we'll get this all straightened no, I out. I don't have any secret sins. And they just keep on him and on him and on him and on him. And finally, he responds to them in Job 13, 5 with this sentence, I love this. If only you would be altogether silent. Nice way of saying, would you shut up? If only you would just be altogether silent. For you, that would be wisdom. I can't tell you how many times I want to quote scripture for some people. <laughs> and as he, as he gives that advice to them, he's really giving advice to himself. He should listen to his own advice. Later on, toward the end of the book of Job, in the 33rd chapter, he, he, in about the 30th chapter, he's actually just shaking his fist at God. He's mad at God. I'm tired of this. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. If you would just come and talk to me, I could plead my case. I can tell you how good of a guy I am. Who are you, God? He's just going on and on and on. And finally, God shows up in the 33rd chapter and he says, pay attention, Job. Listen to me. Be silent. And I'll speak. Be still. No. sometimes when God's silent it's just we're not listening we're not still enough to hear his voice he's a, he's a gentleman if you would he doesn't force himself on us and when all prayer is is us letting him have our list we miss one of the most beautiful opportunities to just hear it's an amazing thing I don't know about you, but uh, it's it's just so easy to get on this treadmill. Do you know that they say that the average couple, average husband and wife, have two minutes a day of meaningful conversation? Two minutes. The average parent has 30 seconds of meaningful conversation with their child. Two minutes. People we, we love the most care about the most, we just, we get so busy and so into our own stuff that we don't converse with Him. Last week when, when Matt showed that video and it had the the universe and the God, the creator of this universe, and then all of a sudden it just said, He wants to talk with you. He wants relationship with you. He wants conversation. I'm sitting back there and my heart just started pitter-pattering. I mean, when I forget that so often. The creator of this universe who who were we're seeing the expanse of the universe in, in greater width and depth and breadth every year with bigger telescopes. The guy who just finger paid into the universe. That big God wants to have a relationship with us. I'm too busy for my wife. I'm too busy for my children. I'm too busy for God. Well, then you're just too busy. You're just plain too busy. Now, don't look at me like that. Are you guys still happy? <laughs> Let me just give a plug. Since Cameron mentioned community groups, uh, re-engage this marriage ministry. I just think every couple in our church ought to be in it, whether, whatever age you are. You got to go through it, whatever, however long you've been married, whether you have a great marriage, good marriage, whether you have a struggle in your marriage, because it teaches us and gives us opportunity to intentionally have conversation with one another that's meaningful. Not just the weather, not just the movie we watched, not just the bills that need to be paid, not just what are the kids up to or the grandkids up to. Meaningful conversation. Pause. Pause. Have meaningful conversation with those we love the most. And with our God. It's so important. So, here's what I, what I want you to think about. What, what I do? What's the solution? I want you to think about pushing in the clutch when you drive. Now, some of you know what I'm talking about. Others are going, what's a clutch? What's you know. So, back in the old days, like between dinosaurs and where you're at right now, they had manual transmissions, and you push the clutch in and you shift first, second, third gear, whatever. And um, I'm not telling you to go in neutral. Neutral means the engine's running, but you're not. But a clutch is disengaging the busyness of that engine just for a moment, just for a little, not, a little bit. Not to, not to become less effective, but to power into the next gear. When God says, hey, be still. Have, have time with me. Listen to what I'm having to say. It's like pushing the clutch in. Not because he wants us to, be, to do less or be less effective, but in doing so, we can easily power to the next gear. We can become more effective in our lives. So push the clutch in. Do what it takes to just be still. One, one little thing I'd give you that, that's really helped me early on, especially in my life, Someone told me, Don, what you ought to do on a daily basis, this is back when we wrote down on our daily planners, what you do, make an appointment with God every day. Just make an appointment, whatever time works for you. For me, it was from 8.30 to 9 every morning. That way I could have breakfast time with people that wanted appointments. I could do whatever I needed when I come out. But from 8.30 to 9, I had an appointment with God. So, Keith, if you'd come in at at 8.30, I'd say, I I have an appointment. Can't meet. I can meet with you at 9.00. And they're like, that's kind of weird. Isn't Keith important? Well, not really, but um, (laughs) no, sure he is. But so is God. And here's what I found. The more I make appointments with God and say, God, I'm going to be there at 830 waiting for you. I found that he started putting me in his appointment book. And he would show up. And I'd start to hear from him from being Still. So the silence of God sometimes says, says we need stillness. Secondly, the silence of God sometimes says not now, not yet. And we need, we need consistency. I mean, how often does God speak? This, this might be interesting uh, to you because probably not as much as you would think. If you take the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation, it covers about 4,000 years. How often is God actually speaking in that, in that time frame? about a 1,000 years, to every, every apostle, every prophet, every king, to Jesus, to John the Baptist, to the disciples. You take all their lives and add them all up. It's about a 1,000 years. So about one-fourth of the Bible is God speaking. And there's unbelievable large amounts of time when he's silent. When Israel is enslaved to Egypt. 430 years of silence. Between the Old Testament and the New Testament, 450 years of silence. Moses, out in the wilderness, being a shepherd, silence from God. There's There arguably is as much silence in our relationship with God as there are moments of him speaking. And sometimes when he's doing that, he's just simply saying... I'm hearing your prayers. It's just just not now. It's not yet. In fact, what what I see as I read through the Bible is it's usually, um, I don't know how to break this to you, but I have a desert for you to go through. I have a desert. Almost all the superheroes of the Bible go through a desert. Abraham went through a desert. Moses led the children of Israel through a desert. Jesus tempted 40 days and 40 nights in the desert. John the Baptist lived in the desert. The Apostle Paul was trained in the desert. The desert is when you're praying, you're praying and you're praying and you're praying and you're praying and you're laying it all out before God. God, if somehow you could help this person, if somehow you could help me with this health issue, if, if God, somehow you could, you, could, you could let us have children, if God, somehow you could, you could bring our children to the Lord, we're, we're so worried about them. God, if there's just something, and he just keeps saying, Not yet. Not yet. You're going to have to walk through this desert with a, for me just a little while. Just to the desert. And in that time of the desert, here's what I've found. It's hard to hear God in the desert times, but we see him more clearly. We don't hear him as much. We see him. But we don't see him in the windshield in front of us. We see him in the rear rear view mirror as we start to come out of the desert and we look behind us and we go, oh my goodness. God has been there all the time. God has been working every single moment of my life. All these things I threw out and said not yet, he's there. So. I think it's good in, in this situation to, to, um, to put, put it in gear. So I don't care what gear you choose, second gear, third gear, fourth gear, put it in gear and keep it in gear. Because in the desert, you're going to have a tendency to want to just throw it all away. You want to stop. You want to pull off the road. Get in the gear and stay in that gear. Find the gear that you know works. You hear about it. You read about it. You're taught about it, find those gears, find that gear and, and just stay in it consistently. Let me describe what that gear might look like. There's different levels of it, but there's at least these three things. Pray. I mean, we don't, we don't do a series on prayer and the emphasis for 22 days because we just think it's a nice thing to do to take up time. Hopefully you'll start to develop a habit that brings you not only through the good times and times of rejoicing, But even in the desert times, you're still praying. Just because God's silent doesn't mean you need to be silent. And what I've found is in those silent times, whether they're days, months, seasons, to write stuff down. Because when you start to go out of that desert, you can look back on your your thoughts and your prayers and your requests, and all of a sudden you see God and how he's been working in that when you never expected it but to be consistent in the things you know that work. Prayer, work, keep on praying. Get in God's word, stay in the word. Even in the desert times, especially in the desert times, stay in God's word. How does God speak to us more than anything? Through this book, it's his word. That's how you're gonna hear from him more likely than not. And I think I could make this promise. If you get in God's word, and you read it, you might not hear from him daily. But you keep reading it, I think within a month or two, you're going to hear something from him. I can almost promise you, you keep reading that for a year, you're going to hear his voice. You're going to to get his word. This is his word. And he gives it to us so that even in the desert times, even in the silent times, even when the times that that you're, you're in limbo, it's not yet, and you're wondering, you can go back and you can be reassured that his word is there for you. Even when he seems silent, his word is right there. So read and keep reading. And the third thing about the gear that I would say to get into is find community. Find community. Cameron gave a, Great little plug for, for our community groups. That's what him and I are in charge of, so when we're up here every time we get a microphone, that's what you're going to hear. When you get a microphone from me, you're going to hear about reengage as well with that. Did I mention that yet? <laughs> here's what I found about all our groups. And here's what I know about reengage. This is why I'm so happy to just be up here and tell you about it, because it, it starts a week from Tuesday. you can still get in it. Yeah, okay. Are you, are you wishing that my microphone was off yet? That okay? Not only does it help your marriage in your communication, not only do you learn things about marriage, some things you already know or just, just kind of brings up what you already know and reinforces that. Here's what blew me away. I never expected this. I thought it was going to be a great thing for marriages, and it is. The community that comes out of reengage is amazing. I mean, we apologetically say, "Do 16 weeks, I know it's going to be tough. You talk to most people that have gone through reengage, and they'll say, after 16 weeks, let's just keep going with this thing. Because when you start to travel with one another together in a group, and you start to share one another's life, and you start to, to hear from one another, you find out that the voice of God often echoes off others into your heart. Even when God's silent, to you, when he's working in others' lives, that echo bounces into your life and you start to hear God speak through others. We often say, you learn in rows. That's what Sunday morning is about. You learn in rows. But you grow in groups. And whether it's Reengage, whether it's Alpha, whether it's any of the groups that, that come up with journals and all that, find a group. It's a gear that you, if you'll stay in the word, you'll stay praying, and you find a community group that you can walk through life with, you'll hear from God. It won't be constant silence. And if you don't, you'll be walking together with people who hold you up during the silence. So, consistent in what you know. Consistent in the habits that we know to help. Third thing, Silence of God sometimes says no. Sometimes when God's silent, he is just telling us no. And none of us like to hear no. None of us. That's what we call unanswered prayer, but really it's sometimes just no. You remember Garth Brooks? You know, You know where I'm going with that song of his? No, not friends in low places. Uh, thanking God for unanswered prayer. Do you know that song? He thanks God for... It comes from a, a real-life experience for him where he was at a football game at his old high school, and he sees this girl who he was just head over heels with, just crazy about her, just prayed and prayed and prayed that God would you know, send her attention his way and that they'd get married and live happily ever after, and it didn't work out. God just said no, It's unanswered prayer. And he sees her at this football game and he goes, oh, as he sees her, he goes, thank God. <laughs> thank God. I think the name of his song is some of, some of great, God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. You have any prayers like that? I went to a re- reunion of sorts not long ago and uh, saw this girl who I was like so crazy over and just oh god just prayed oh offered all kinds of prayers up that maybe one day and i saw her looked right in the face and she looked at me and i i saw her whisper under her breath thank god (laughs) God. Nobody, (laughs) nobody likes unanswered prayer nobody likes to hear no but if, if you do hear that, if, you do, if you're praying to God and praying to God and he says, no, you are in the company of some of his most choice servants and people that have heard no. Moses, after taking the children of Israel for, for 40 days in the wilderness, 40 years, excuse me, in the wilderness, time to go to the promised land, and God says, Moses, No. Takes him up on Mount Nebo. No, you're not going there. No. David, the height of Israel's kingdom. God, I just want to build a temple for you. A temple that will be be honored and glorified. All, all nations will see it and just be amazed. I want to build that for you. And God said, no. It's not you. Your son Solomon will. And he pleaded and begged with God. And God said, no, it's not for you to do. No. The Apostle Paul going all throughout the Mediterranean area, telling people about Jesus, planting new churches. He had this thing called a a thorn in the flesh. We don't know exactly what it was, but he prayed that God would take it away from him so he didn't have to suffer anymore. I could be so much more effective if I didn't have to deal with this. And God said, no. Three times, he says, he prayed for that. And God said, no, no, no. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, if there's any way this cup can pass from me on the, on the eve of going to the cross, if there's any way this can pass from me, God said, No. And Jesus said, It's, it's not my will. It's your will. Aren't you glad? He stayed with it. He. Some of the most, it's not, not, if, if God says no to you, it's not because he doesn't like you. It's because he trusts you. It's because he's working a bigger purpose out in your life. In his grand scheme of things. That he who hung the universe, his will and his ways and his thinking are not like your will and your ways and your thinking. And even your values and even all your requests. And he trusts you to say no to that which is not the best for you. In your mind, in order to achieve his purpose, his will, which is ultimately not only the best for you, but the best to advance his kingdom, the best to to be a light to others, to see and show how you made it through all that. So we need to have acceptance and, and adjustment when God sometimes says no. Here's, a, here's what i tell you to adjust to it. Adjust your expectations. If God's telling you no, sometimes you just have to, you have to realize it's going to be no and you have to adjust your expectations. You have to realize because of that accident, because of that injury, that's yeah, not going to be the same. Because of that doctor's report, it's not going to be the same. Because of that child, because of that job situation because of what it's not going to be the same it's going to be a new normal it doesn't have to be less. it's just going to be different it's going to be a new normal but god's going to walk with you through that adjust your expectations trade in your dreams don't abandon your dreams you might have to trade in your dreams so that instead of success the dream of success maybe the dream becomes significance Instead of fame, maybe it becomes this pure-hearted, solid, spiritual person. Instead of in the limelight, maybe it's now in the shadows, but the light of Jesus shines through you even brighter. You might have to just trade in your dreams for some of the dreams that God has for you. And finally, to reinforce your resolve. When he says no, sometimes it's a long road ahead. So I talked about pushing the clutch in, I talked about putting it in gear. This, this area, just put it on cruise. You know, when you, when you know you have a long road ahead of you and it's going to take a while, you just put it on cruise and you, you sit back and you, and you go. You don't stop, you don't quit because of the long road ahead of you. You put it on cruise and you, and you, and you get there with resolve. Here's what I've found, I've I've been around quite a while. Good, bad, content, not content. Challenges as well as success. Here's what I found in my life. I will be faithful to God in the long run. Not based on the thing he does for me today. I love when he does things for me today, not even based on the things he says for me today. I love when he speaks. But my faithful life to him is focused on this, what he did for me 2,000 years ago. God so loved me that he sent Jesus, came and lived and died on a cross. And was resurrected again so that as i resolve in my heart to faithfully follow him as i believe in him as i give myself to him i will not perish i will have everlasting life that's why i'm faithful to him If he never says another thing to me, if he never does another thing for me, he's done enough through Jesus. So when God's silent, maybe you're through going through that right now today. What do you need to do? Need to push the clutch in, be still before Him. Do you need to just put it in gear and go forward? you need to put it on cruise and with resolve get through it but he's speaking even in the silence he's speaking heavenly father thank you for these days of prayer that we've been able to focus on you i thank you when you speak to us i thank you when you give us clarity i thank you when we see your hand in there's so many ways that we see it. Lord, for those times when it seems like you're just not there or you're not hearing us or you're silent, I pray that you would, you would make us even more attuned to what you might be saying in those messages. And may every one of us today recognize the love of Jesus. Jesus Christ, only begotten son of God come into our hearts and live that we might live we pray in your name